Church Project, we're a church, a gathering of people that love Jesus. We love the mission of Jesus, and we want to live that out together. We're also a project, an ongoing pursuit to discover what Christ originally intended church to be. None of us have been church tomorrow morning. We don't know what it's like to be the church tomorrow morning. We desperately need each other, and we need Jesus to highlight our our life and, and guide us every single day. And so, Welcome. If you're a first-time guest, we hope that you enjoy yourself today. If you would, if you have your, you, your, um, your phone, you can pull that out and go to Version. if you have that free Bible app. You can also go to events and more and look right there. All our notes are going to be on there today so you can read through the notes. And I'd encourage you uh, to have that available because as you go to house church this week, the notes are there and you can talk about the scripture and, and kind of see and, and see what other people were seeing and, and scripture. And so that's a good tool to use. I want to just kind of take a moment before we get going today to just say, hey, we are a project. We are trying to figure out what God has even for Church Project in Greeley, Colorado, and what that means for us. Like if you've been part of Church Project for a while, you know that we um, awkwardly met in my living room. That was awkward. Like we've we've transitioned a couple different places, and most recently we came from Dayspring Christian Academy, and that was a great facility. And we find ourselves here in, in this little building, which is fantastic. And I'd encourage every single one of you to go downstairs to where the six million young people are, and teach a lesson down there. Like it's hard, it's difficult. It's really loud, and as we look at this building, a few weeks ago, we had an open conversation of what it looks like to kind of embrace some of the limits of this building, but also to come up with ideas like, all right, God, listen, we put a few more kids down there, and it's going to be so loud, there's no way we can teach lessons down there, and and more and more, we're running out into limits, and so a few weeks ago, we talked about options and just said, hey, what's out there? Maybe you guys are smart, and you can find options, and so we're openly talking about what it may look like like for this building, other buildings. We even have a conversation going about possibly moving to a Sunday night gathering. Now, I know that's way outside the box. Like, who knows? Like, what we're doing is we're seeking God and we're saying, God, what do you have for church project? So this is what we're saying openly. Pray. Pray. Say, God, what do you have for us? What are you asking us to be in Greeley, Colorado? What are you asking us to do in Greeley, Colorado? Because we want to be that as a body and as individuals. So can you commit to that? Just pray. Say, all right, God, like here we are. Like we we don't know what it means, but we're going to seek you with all of our hearts. And when you do that also, please pray for our elders as we're having huge conversations about what the future looks like at Church Project. Hey, we're excited for where we're at and we're excited for where we're going. So is that a cool little update? There you go. Uh, um, Another thing I want to say is, Typically, we go through a book of the Bible, and we've paused on that, and we've started looking at parables. And so for the last month or two, couple months, we've been looking at parables. And so the parable we're going to look at today is found in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. And I'm going to read these in a little bit, but I want to remind us of a few things, okay? The parables are Jesus' preferred method for teaching. And so if you look in scripture, a third of his teaching were the parables. He loved stories. He loved putting it out there and teaching us some incredible stories, um, um, lessons through these stories. 
My prayer for us today is that when we encounter that this parable right here, that the Holy Spirit will be moving in our heart and in, in our mind. And if there's something that God wants to grow us in this morning, his Holy Spirit will convict us and we'll realize, God, we might need to change something in our life today. And that's got a fancy word in seminary called the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So my prayer is that all of us, we would find ourselves under the lordship of Jesus and we would say, listen, if something pricks our heart today and the Holy Spirit starts showing us something today that we're just kind of over here and it doesn't feel right, that we would align ourselves under the lordship of God and say, God, I, my whole life is under you. Amen? Like That's our prayer. And I pray this out of Psalms chapter 25 verses, or 25 verses four and five, and this is a prayer. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your path. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Yeah, amen. What a sweet prayer. So as we look at this parable today, and the parable is the parable of the two builders, okay? Some of you might be familiar with this, but I want to ask a question or maybe make a point, okay? Some people have got to learn the hard way. Is that you? <laughs> You're like, ah, that's me, okay. Some people have got to learn the hard way, and um, I'm gonna add this in there, the hard rock way, okay? You'll, you'll see that in a little bit, but just kind of keep that in your mind. Maybe that's you. Mama said don't touch the stove, and after you touched it, you realized mama was right, okay? <laughs> Anyone here like that? Just get your neighbor. Yeah, you like that, Okay. Let's read this parable and then pick it apart because I think God's got some incredible things for us. Matthew chapter seven, verses 24 through 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And as Jesus is sitting and he's teaching this to people, he's teaching it to us today too, and I pray that we can hear the message in this parable today. I wanna to give a little bit of context before we dive into this. This is an antithetical parable, and what that means is that it requires both halves to make sense. And so Jesus, as he was teaching, could easily say the first half, therefore, if you're wise, you're gonna build your house on the rock, it's not gonna fall, it's gonna be incredible, but if you're stupid, you won't do that. Like, he could have easily wrapped it up just like that. It needs both halves. Like he, there's the front half that says you're wise, build your house on the rock. We get it. But he also puts this, if you're foolish, you build your house on the sand. And you put both of those side by side, and the parable completely makes sense. Another piece of context in this is, is that Jesus is actually giving this message. It's one of his most famous messages. It's at the end of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. Raise your hand if you heard of that, the Sermon on the Mount, right? This Jesus, I've actually been there. It's right outside the Sea of Galilee. It's 
the hills go up really high and Jesus is standing up on this hill and it kinda just naturally forms this amphitheater, like his voice could go down and carry. It's such a beautiful place, which by the way, we're going to Israel on October 2020, next year, church project. Church project in the woodlands, in California, in Winter Park, and in us. We're going in October, and if you want to join us, sign up. And in the version notes, I put my email in there. You can email me for more information. We'll be sending out emails on this as well. But we're going there, and I've been there. I've seen where Jesus is giving this Sermon on the Mount, and he's preaching to people. Now, part of this context, you have to think, let's go back a couple thousand years here, and let's go back to when Jesus is literally teaching in the place that he's teaching in, in, in Israel and in this area. It's the rainy season between November and March. It's the rainy season. And so he's looking at the Sea of Galilee. He's up, up on a hill. He's preaching, and the Sea of Galilee isn't necessarily a sea, and so it's not like these waves are going to come and crash against this house and, and destroy it because they built it on sand instead of rock. The context that the people are getting here is during the rainy season in this part of the world and region, mudslides happen because they get 23 inches of rain in about 56 days. And so the context that they're even getting is that you can build your house way up on the hill. It doesn't even need to be by the water. And because of the water that's coming from the mudslides and the amount of water and the dry soil that's happening there, they're starting to put together that their house can fall because of this, like this fun little concept here. If you look at, at this parable right here, the difference between Matthew and Luke, and we're reading the Matthew context, the parable in Matthew. If you look at the Luke context, this is what Klein Snodgrass, a theologian, says about comparing both of these together, okay? Says the differences between Matthew and Luke is Matthew focuses on two different building sites and the description of the weather, whereas Luke focuses on, di on two different building processes and the description of digging deeply. So when you know the context, you know that Jesus is teaching at the end of his Mount of Sermon um, right here, here's the point. At some point, his hearers are hearing this and we can hear this today. We must be honest with ourselves and we must evaluate if our lives reflect what we believe. And this is the point that Jesus is making. He's saying, it's time for action. And Jesus is preaching to people, he's preaching us today, and he's saying, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. What are you building your house on? And to put it a little, a little bit more crass kind of way, beep or get off the pot. There you go, Jay, you like that one, right? saying, be doers of the word. And Jesus is talking about our lives, and he's talking to the people there, and he's saying, what are you building your life on? I've ran one marathon in, in my life. Well, I, I kind of ran. We started out, and we were parkouring, you know, running and jumping off benches and climbing trees, and, and they have food stations every, like, 100 yards. And so I'm like, yeah, 
man, let's do it. Training, what's training? Let's just go run 26 miles one day. Is that a marathon? Something like that, right? Started out all gung-ho, man. Thousands of people taking off. You're all hyped up. The music's going. And I got to tell you this, I look good. I mean, I had good shoes. I had, I had some tight things. Like, I, look, I, I think I even had a headband. Jared was there. He looked even better than I did. He wore gym short shorts. Like, it was, people were stumbling because of those legs. Like, we looked really good. And I was arrogant enough to think that I could show up with very little training and run 26 miles. And at the end of it, I was like, dear God, if you get me past 26 miles, I'll serve you the rest of my life. And here I am today, I'm preaching. We made it. I think I embarrassed the sport. Like the people that were there to actually run and compete, I mean, I was praying just to complete. Like I was not a marathon runner, but I was there. I looked the part, but man, I did not train. Like my life wasn't about this. I had no business being there. Brennan Manning, great author, made this quote. DC Talk made it really famous, though. Okay, raise your hand if you know DC Talk. Old school. There you go. All right. Here's the quote from Brendan Manning. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. This is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. We say we're Christians We believe in Jesus, and we kind of live our life on our own. It doesn't really change how we speak tomorrow morning. It doesn't really change the way we think. It doesn't really change our actions. Like, we fly this flag. We look like we can run a marathon, but oh, dear God, at the 20-mile mark, we are not running anymore. And as Christians, Jesus is talking, and I think his heart's breaking as he's looking at at a sea of people that are hearing him talk. And he's saying, listen, like what you're building your life on, it's just just not going to stand. You may say that you're a Christian. You may declare that you're a Christian. You may say, I believe in Jesus. But at the end of the day, tomorrow looks no different than today. And he's saying, that house, by the way, is a foolish place to build. It's on sand, it's going to erode. Regardless of what else is involved, the point of this analogy with the wise and the foolish builders that we're looking at is that security depends upon hearing and doing Jesus' teaching in our life. And the mere hearing without doing is gonna lead to destruction. Like Jesus loves us. He's given us his word. He gives us his Holy Spirit. And he says, listen, don't be foolish in the way that you live your only life on this earth. Safety and security come from obedience and destruction and uncertainty comes from disobedience. So my prayer is that as we sit here today, maybe we can think of even aspects of our life and the Holy Spirit might even be showing us aspects of our life where it's like, oh man, I'm just, I know that I shouldn't be doing this thing. I know that, God, I'm just not under your, the lordship of your life in this aspect. And so my prayer is that we would understand that and we would say, listen, whenever we're living for us, it's a proud moment where we're building our life on sand. So God, in this place, just convict each and every one of us because you know why? 
judgment is a real part of Christianity. Like we're not gonna just, just preach this theology that says, hey, once you become Christians, akuna matata. It's all good. Because the Jesus in the Bible and the, the scripture that I read is there is real judgment. There is sin. There is this thing where we can choose to go our own way. And if we want to look at it at the very, very basic core, like judgment is a real part of Christianity. If not, why would you need salvation? Why would we need salvation if there wasn't judgment? So Jesus, his heart is breaking to the people he's talking to, and I think his heart was breaking as we project time, as he's teaching us even right now. And he's saying, listen, Christians, don't just look the part, act the part. Don't be foolish, be wise. The Christian worldview, the one that probably most of us in this room will claim, like, that's our worldview. Like, we see the lens of the life that we live through a Christian worldview is such that if we believe and apply the teachings of Jesus, this world would absolutely change. James chapter 2, verse 17 says this, Faith by itself, if not accomplished, uh, accompanied by action, is dead. To just merely say, I'm a follower of Christ, and to have the Nike shoes as we run a marathon, but actually it doesn't change anything the way that we live, that action is dead. Faith by itself, declaring we're Christians by ourselves, is just dead. If there's not actions in our life. Trying not, here's what I want to say, like try not saving or paying your taxes this month, and see what happens at the end of the year. As Uncle Sam comes knocking, and we may have been told, our accountant said, save your taxes, do this. Like, you can fill out however exemptions you need, right? Ignore all that and see how that's going to play out in January, February, March, when Uncle Sam's like, hey, where's my money? The fact is, we can hear all the good stuff that we, that we read about in Scripture. We can have the Holy Spirit teaching us and guiding us and convicting us. But at the end of the day, if that faith and all this knowledge that we're acquiring isn't met by action, we're foolish. We're building our life on a shifting sand. If we believe Jesus is who he says he is in our life, if we believe that with all of our heart, we will simply look more like him today than we did yesterday. Ouch. That's truth. The Holy Spirit is guiding us. Sanctification is taking place. He's making us more like him today than yesterday. And the question is, are we allowing him to do that in our life? It may mean that some of our actions are gonna stop right now. We're like, okay, what I'm doing here, I know doesn't line up with scripture. I can't hide it anymore. Like, I know I'm doing my own thing and choosing my own thing. And Jesus is like, so what are you gonna do about it? Are you gonna keep building your house on this sand or are you gonna convince yourself that you actually need me and you're gonna change your actions today? Judgment is a real thing. But if you're anything like me, sometimes I choose to just do my own thing. Man, God, break me of that. That's pride. Like, break me of that. Crush me of that. Make me look more like you tomorrow than today. That's my prayer. How about yours? 
Like, that's the way that I want to see the world lived. I want to break it down really simple for us as, as we kind of look at this passage. Our aim, our action as Christians, as Christ followers, is 2 Timothy 2.22. Not, not solely, but I'm using this as an example. 2 Corinthians 2.22, this is our aim and our actions. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness. Raise your hand, you pursue righteousness, man. Sign me up, like righteousness all over, just brain righteousness. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart, like this is our aim. And then as Jesus is talking about making our lives actions, things that we do, he also is breaking and crying as he gives us this. Our aim is to flee the evil desires of youth. Our aim is to change the way that we live. Our prayer is filled with a ton of grace. And our prayer is found in Ephesians chapter two, verses eight through 10. For it is by grace you have been saved, amen? Through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. What? How is it Jesus is preaching, your faith without works is dead? And then we come along in the New Testament, and he says, it's not by works that you are saved. Do you see what's happening here? Are you complexed by that? Are you perplexed by that? Go talk about it at house churches. Amen, we're done. I think if you get the heart of Jesus in this, and I think if you get the totality of Scripture in this, it's basically this. It says, when you love Jesus, and when you are surrendering to the Holy Spirit in your life, the Holy Spirit's going to encourage you, going to guide you, also going to convict you. And when you find those things in your life, and you align yourself with the Spirit and change some of your actions you'll realize that those actions aren't the things that actually save you, but those actions, the things that we change and we do are the things that make us more like Christ every single day. And that's the aim. It's not because of our actions or inactions that we earn ourselves into heaven, because if so, guess what? Homie ain't going. None of us can earn our way to heaven. It's by God's grace. And God loves us so much that he says, I'm not gonna let you stay in that same muck and mire. I'm gonna convince you, I'm gonna compel you, I'm gonna love you, and I'm gonna give you grace to step a little higher today. And tomorrow, to step a little higher then. And to look more like me tomorrow than you are today. And that is what it means to live Jesus in this world. Is that your prayer? Individually, that we would look more like God today? And do our lives mirror Jesus Christ? Or would you say, some people gotta learn the hard way. And I'm gonna do whatever I wanna do until it hurts me so bad that I have to change. 
I'm gonna give us an opportunity right now. I think this message is pretty straightforward and clear, and I would encourage us, and when we go to our house churches, to really talk about this. But I'm gonna give us an opportunity to do something that has been really impactful for me this last year. And if you have an iPhone or one of those smartphones, you can download the app called Examine. And examine just what you, you can walk through five or 10 minutes every day and it'll, it'll play music for you and give you things to think through. And so what I wanna do is I actually want us to do this today. I want us to practice this thing called examine, all right? So if you would, just close your notes, close your Bibles, and let's just get in a spirit of just receiving right now. And Ben, I don't know if you have any of that. The music will kind of get it in the background. This is kind of good. Let's take the time just to examine our lives today. And if we can examine specifically the title of of our habits. I'm gonna walk us through a, a few things just to think through. Humans are very much creatures of habit. God made us this way so that we don't have to rely solely on good judgment and decision making in each situation that arises. Instead, we can train our minds, our bodies, and souls to habitually naturally do the right thing. So let's reflect on our habits today. Ask God just where you're at right now as you're sitting here to make his presence known to you in this moment. And let's just linger a few moments in the presence of God. Let's spend a few moments here just in gratitude, thanking thanking God for one or two of the blessings, big and small, that we've received just in the last 24 hours. Looking back over the day, the last 24 hours, ask God to show us a few of our habits. Try to see one thought or one action that is typical of the way that you think or act. Were you criticizing and nitpicking your coworkers? Are you staying focused at work only after a strong cup of coffee? 
Where you're putting yourself down for the smallest things, wasting time on the internet, greeting people warmly when they walked in the door. Just reflect in the last 24 hours of some of the habits. It's usually easier to see our unhealthy habits than to see our healthy ones. When we find an unhealthy habit, speak to God about it. And perhaps just ask God for forgiveness, for healing, and how to break that unhealthy habit. Ask for the courage to make the change that you need to make. To be a wise builder, not a foolish builder. Let's not simply settle at looking at bad habits today. Let's look at some good habits as you think back of your last 24 hours. Thank God for those. Commit to repeat that tomorrow. And now let's look to tomorrow or to the rest of today. What bad habit do I want to break? What good habit do I want to cultivate? What graces will I ask God for in order to help me break these particular bad habits and to grow in these particular good habits? God, I thank you for today. I thank you as we reflect and examine our lives and reflect on this passage. That in our lives, we would make bold steps to continue to walk in your grace and simultaneously find our identity in you and simultaneously look more like you every day. And so God, I pray over my life, I pray over all of our lives that in the areas that you're convicting us in and when your scripture speaks, that we would change, that we would stop. God, you speak freedom over us. God, you say that you are building your church on the rock God, we declare in our lives that we will build our lives on you, the rock. And in a world of chaos and movement, destruction, 
May we be little beacons of hope and light everywhere that we go. As we point others to you. God, thank you for today. Thank you for bringing your church together.